Hello everyone, and welcome to Paranormalized, where in an attempt to normalize the paranormal, we share stories, concepts, and facts from this world of the unexplained. This is season three of our podcast that dives deep into any and all manner of the unknown. I'm your co-host, Alicia. I'm Drew. And I'm Alex. And welcome to Paranormalized. Alright, welcome to Unbridled Chaos. We have questions and answers for everybody today. We asked some viewers on uh, Instagram, I guess listeners rather, no one is really viewing us, but <laughs> asked some listeners to reach out to us and give us some questions that they have about the paranormal and supernatural world. We're going to yeah. try and answer them in the best yeah. way that we can. It was uh, Patreon too. It was Patreon as well, yes, thank you. But we reached out. We have a lot of list of questions. We don't really have any uh, script for this one. That's why we said unbridled chaos. So we're just going to go with the flow. And however it ends up, it's going to end up. Whatever so, happens, happens. Yeah, you know, just... Wow! Thank you, Alicia. <laughs> who wants to get us started? Who wants to... Who has the first question? I can go. Okay. So we were asked, are there any examples of modern hauntings? Meaning hauntings that only started in the past couple of decades. Like by people who died in the past modern decade. Not just like activity that's happened i feel like that's a pretty common question as to why there's no like ghost singing britney spears opposed to always singing nursery rhymes we the only one that the three of us know for sure would be the melanie story from james hoskins spot on our actual walking tour yeah so you don't get to hear the full story no if you 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 want that you have to pay yes you need to you need to pay the money give me 29 (laughs) dollars hey i i'm not but the TLDR is that this woman named Melanie Finley died in 1980 in one of the apartments in Over the Rhine, Cincinnati, and there has been paranormal activity since then. So, I mean, 1980 is still kind of far away. It is. It's 40 years. No, that really hurts yeah, to think about, but it is 40 years away. But. but that is definitely much more recent than most of our, you know, Victorian or Edwardian ghosts. She wore jeans. She did wore jeans. So she is a modern person. Uh, I don't know why it is that we seem to interact more with older stuff than newer stuff. Well, I guess stuff at Post Town is mostly 70s, 60s kind of era. But maybe it's just because the energy has had more time to, like... Build up. And yeah. It's been accumulate. Stewing. It's stewing. Yes, that is a good word for it. <laughs> it's stewing. Yeah, maybe. I, I Like, and if you think about it, like... Victorian age people, they had it rough, dude. Like, stuff was traumatic back then. I'm not saying, like, people don't have hard times now, but, like, the way that people would die back in the day was gruesome. Pretty much always. Even if you got, like, a normal death, like, you died in a traumatic way. Yeah, well, I mean, and and they, like, also have a lot of near-death experiences semi-frequently, I guess, so. (laughs) And maybe it has some to do with the fact that we're comfortable going to places and asking questions about stuff that happened forever ago rather than bring up fresh wounds on things. Go to places where there are recent events that's kind of insensitive, so. Yeah, I mean, technically the museum center where I work is haunted by a woman who died in the 90s, but we don't talk, talk about, about it because her family is still alive. So yeah. it'd be well, super also, rude. the museum center is going to shoot us in the head for even mentioning it because yes. they do not want people to know the place is haunted. <laughs> yeah, don't don't get me fired, gang. Please don't be like, so I heard on a podcast that this building is haunted. By Alicia. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, well it, technically there's two Alicias, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's not even just her, though. There, yeah, there's it, other things. It had been, uh, actually, so during World War II, it is a train station as well as a museum. It was 
being used as a functional morgue at one point. It was. If any of you guys are from the Cincinnati area, the morgue is where the Children's Museum is now. <laughs> <laughs> it used to be a morgue full of World War II soldiers that were passing through. It's really kind of gross, to be honest. Think about that while your children play. They're like, there was in a the dead ball pits. <laughs> I'm and in the waterworks. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. As the once lawyer once said. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, question number two. What understanding is there of the mechanism of going from a live person to paranormal phenomenon haunting a place? That was very fancy wording. It was. <laughs> I'm glad I read it all in one one go without messing up. <laughs> I don't know, I'm not into the that whole part, that stuff makes my brain hurt if I think too much about it. So, I mean, really, there there isn't any. That's that's really the answer to the question is there really isn't any understanding. I mean, there are the people who say that, you know, if you do die in a particularly tragic way, that it's, you know, there's a better likelihood of becoming a haunting, but no one actually knows how that transference takes place. Um, that's why they call it the paranormal. Yeah, I don't know if science will honestly ever be able to explain it. And, you know, then there's people who are like, it's just pure religion. You know, it's completely and utterly unexplainable forever and ever because it's the work of a higher being. But, um, so sorry about that, but there isn't any. <laughs> well, maybe someone significantly smarter than us would be able to answer that question. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that there are, like, <laughs> I'm sure Dan would love to die. <laughs> I was say, there are people who have, like, dedicated their lives to this who I'm sure have their theories. That's... Not why we're in this, though. I don't think any of us are really care for the whole science behind any of this. It's interesting, but I'm lazy and don't feel like... It just makes my head hurt. Like I, I'm fascinated by it when Dan does talk to us about it, because he's a lot more into it, but... He knows what he's talking about. Yeah. It's when I'm trying to read it, I'm just like, what is happening? <laughs> well, Not something I have any interest in discovering for myself. I guess this question also depends on what type of haunting it is, because... Poltergeist activity is allegedly a live person, and it's not paranormal. And yeah. <laughs> listen, that's what some people think. Some people don't think. Yeah, I, it's, okay. one, it's one of the theories. I've experienced poltergeist activity with no one doing it. So you don't know that it wasn't you doing it. That's the whole point <laughs> with poltergeist activity. Yeah, regardless, Drew. <laughs> regardless, God, you have residual energy, and sometimes that person is still alive, like the one story yeah. Dan has. Residual energy is just a stain. So so that person can still theoretically be alive. Very circumstantial, I guess. Is the only one. For sure. Well, and demons were never people. Yes, they're very inhuman. So, you know, I guess that really depends on what you're specifically talking about. But once again, I'm not smart enough to know. Above and beyond our heads, unfortunately. Yes. All right. So someone asked, what do I do if I think I'm interacting with a demon? Uh, stop interacting with it and leave. <laughs> I was like, run! Go cry in the bathtub. Say <laughs> a little prayer. <laughs> Alex is the expert here. <laughs> no, go cry in a bathtub and wait for your mom to come home. That's that's the best advice I can offer. No, honestly, the best answer is to literally give it no attention. Like, to the best of your ability, don't engage yeah. any further with it and I'd leave. Say basically, just say, like, you have no permission to follow me, and then just completely ignore it. Ignore it to the best of your ability. And if it's in your home, find another home. Move out. Live on the streets if you have to. That's better than living with a demon. 
Indeed. <laughs> That's why I didn't sleep in my room for several months. But if you're in a place where you're investigating and you think you're interacting with something potentially demonic, leave. Like, seriously, leave. It's not worth any of the risks. Like, we don't go anywhere with any demonic connotation whatsoever, so. Just don't forget to say your prayer. Yeah. If well, that's what you believe in. Always say that things are not allowed to follow you home before you leave. Yes. Always, always, always. Words are power, for sure. It does not matter if you are religious or not. It doesn't necessarily need to be like a prayer to God, but say, like, nothing has the right to follow me. So, we were also asked, why aren't there any Ducleostosis spirits flying around? I'm pretty sure I said that wrong. That's a dinosaur, though. <laughs> I was about to say, what? <laughs> it's, it's more generally... Um, why does there seem to be so few animal spirits? Well, one, I have a haunted cat doll. So, ha! They're around. But I think it's less that there aren't many and more that we don't know how to interact with them because they cannot speak. And, I mean, okay, so, like, dogs and cats can tell what you're saying, but they don't necessarily know what you're actually saying. They just know what certain things mean. They know, like, if you say treats, that they're going to get food. They don't know what a treat is, though, you know? So if we're trying to, like, ask them to make a noise or something, maybe theoretically they can, but they don't know what we mean when we ask that because they can't speak our language. Maybe we should be going up to more ghost talks and be like, speak! <laughs> Just yeah, see if like, they bark! I mean, there's phantom noises where people will hear birds, dogs, cats when they're not there. I, we have on record uh, a EVP from Waverly Hill Sanatorium of a dog barking, and there was no dog in the building, but there was a dog killed there. So... It definitely exists, animal ghosts. I just think they're less noticeable overall. I think they're significantly like, less noticeable. Like, take this for example. Like, we're sitting here around this table having a conversation, and Alicia has her dog here. Fritz, I have my cats here. They're not paying a bit of attention to what we're saying right now, the conversations that around. we're having. Yeah. yeah. Like, He's just chilling. I'm unless you're specifically, them. like, trying to get an animal's attention. Like, even when you are trying to get an animal's attention, it's much more difficult than trying to get another humans attention so yeah i just think and they're also, less noticeable. humans would probably be more likely to want to reach out to us anyway whereas animals could not give a shit yeah, yeah. they don't have the complexity of thought yeah so although there is a zoo that is apparently haunted by a lion that is the cincinnati zoo isn't it it's either the cincinnati zoo or it's the lincoln zoo I think, I think it's a Lincoln. I think both are haunted. I think I've heard that the Cincinnati Zoo is haunted. I've heard that the Cincinnati Zoo is haunted, but I don't think it's by the lion. I think the lion is the Lincoln Park Zoo. Yeah, that does sound right. But I have heard of that. Anyways. Can you imagine meeting, like, a ghost elephant, like, out <laughs> in Africa? Uh, I'm more thinking, imagine running into a T-Rex ghost. I would like to see a ghost pterodactyl. Please and thank you. Stegosaurus. I like pterodactyls. Okay. So, what steps can someone take to prevent their presuppositions about a spirit from distracting identification? For example, if you do research on a location and learn of a particular tragic death there, how would you prevent yourself from taking that and making the assumption that the activity is related to that? And or how do you prevent searching out specific phenomena that you've heard about but may or may not actually be experiencing? Damn, Alicia had some really smart people reach out to her. <laughs> That's some phrasing. Um, I know, honestly, why am I getting it, on with the long words? I hate this. Honestly, it can be difficult uh, not connotating things like that with each other, like hearing that a person died by this name and then you get an EVP that you can't really tell what it's saying and then you're like, oh, well, it's that person's name because you have that association in your head. It, mm -hmm. it can be a struggle. 
but really the best thing that you can do is try and get repeated evidence of something before ever sharing it with somebody else so that um, it seems more concrete in itself. Just, I don't know. And yeah, debunking things is always the best way to go as well. Just right. Because, like, what was it? When we were at Gaia recently, there was a little boy who was shot there and killed, and we kept hearing noises that sounded like gunshots, so... We're trying our damnness to think, like, is it fireworks? I no. went outside and, like, walked, like, around blocks, like, looking for any sort of parties, any sort of noise, anything like that, and I couldn't find anything, so... Like, there's always going to be those associations, and it, it, it can be difficult. It's just repeated evidence and debunking, I feel like, is the best. Sometimes it's better for one or two members of your team to not hear the stories that yeah. are going on. So someone is aware of what happened, um, and so you can ask leading questions that way. But then the other people that are listening back, don't they're not going to automatically hear names that were popped up that had popped up in the story and things like that. Yeah, and when we're giving uh, investigations and stuff, when we go through the history and the paranormal of the building, we definitely don't give all the details. We no. give the overall, yeah. like, here's what you need to know information, but we don't share everything because it's definitely more significant if our guests experience something that wasn't told to them, and then we can tell them, like, hey, actually, this has happened before. And another th- great practices is when we're getting EVPs and stuff like that, when we listen back to them, don't share what you think you're hearing. Like, let everybody else listen to it and see what they have to say before you say what you're hearing to see if it lines up, rather than just telling people, hey, I got this EVP, here's what it's saying, and then playing it for them, because then, of course, they're going to hear what you're hearing, because that's what they're listening for. It's just like that whole Yanny Laurel situation that happened. You're going to hear what you're told to hear. So it's it can be difficult is just the answer I'm going with, but there there are steps that we try and take just to make sure. I think that brings me to the next question, which is what is your favorite ghost hunting tool? What, what's your pendulum. Your, your pendulum? Mm-hmm. That is a recent acquisition. It is a recent acquisition. You have gotten good. very good results with this, so exactly. that's not surprised me. I know you don't have a whole ton of experience. I was with the say, I don't shit. have too many options to choose from. Um, I always thought that I would really like the spirit box, but I actually hate it. <laughs> the they, spirit box is cool in concept, but damn, it, is it frustrating! Oh, it's the oh, it's so annoying to listen to, and it drives me nuts. And I was, I was sure that that was always going to be like the one that I wanted to use the most, and it's the one that I just look forward to the least of having to deal with. Um, I honestly really like watching Drew use his dousing rods. Like, I always find it super fascinating watching the dousing rods actually work. So, uh, that might be mine. I do like the dousing rods, but I definitely have to say for sure, my shitty 2005 Blackberry recorder is definitely my favorite tool to use because, boy, does it pick up EVPs better than anything else in the world. (laughs) Uh, besides the Blackberry, I would probably have to give it to the Spirit Box, though. We do use the Spirit Box quite a lot. We get good stuff out of it. We do. Yeah. But it is disgustingly noisy. It gives me migraines. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is the perfect time to ask this next question. Yeah, it's how do pendulums work? <laughs> yeah. Well, by golly, can I tell you how pendulums work? So technically they work um, two different ways, because you can use them to communicate with spirits, but you can also use them... Um, 
I'm not very good at answering this part, but you can use them to answer questions by getting answers from the universe, I suppose you could say. That's how some people use them. Uh, but when you're doing it that way, you're supposed to be channeling your own energy into it, but this is a bunch of like stuff that a lot of people don't believe. I'm kind of on the fence about it because I've seen it work um, in that way, but I've never used my pendulum for that purpose, so I don't know. But when you're using it to speak with a spirit, a spirit um, is able to harness its energy to move the pendulum. Um, I would less say it's touching it physically and more, um, how do I describe that? It's not physically touching it. It's so let's spirits, you know, have their electromagnetic, yeah. whatever, like field that surrounds them. Basically it's like they can use that to manipulate the pendulum so they can make it swing, um, in one direction or they can make it spin in a circle. So that is mostly how it works and you can get good answers out of them. You can have them spell things out. It just depends on how strong they are, I suppose, which I don't know how you would determine how strong one is. I, I don't know if it's something that happens with time or if it's just some spirits are naturally stronger than others, but definitely um, a part of it is using your, they are harnessing your own energy because some people, when they use the pendulum, they'll get very weak answers, but if someone else takes it, it'll be a really strong answer all of a sudden. Which I feel like is something to do with dowsing rods as well, because some people have zero luck with dowsing rods, but some people, they just go nuts for, so. It, it's definitely using their own energy combined with your energy, which is part of the reason you're holding the pendulum, is because you're, you're holding it not just so they can use it, but because you're imbuing your energy with it i suppose or whatever it's kind of like hippy dippy but it works <laughs> alex is very very successful with her pendulum yes she is uh and i like your explanation with the electromagnetic field using their energies rather than physically moving it because i feel like that's how a lot of paranormal happenings occur because like it seems like oh i heard a noise over here and now i heard a noise over here and now it's like but they said they're standing over there it's because they're like standing in one spot but they don't need to be physically like yeah. right next to something in order to influence it i don't think that every time like an object moves it's being like actually picked up and thrown by a ghost like yeah i think uh the case most of the time is that they're not physically touching it they're manipulating the energy around them which is just like that's part of the whole, they're on a different plane of existence or whatever, the, you know, the, the different dimensions, because they're on a dimension where you're able to harness energy to move things as opposed to having to physically interact with it and stuff. And that's just something that, you know, is like, whoop, right over my head. Yeah, same. <laughs> Not something I desire to look into. But yeah, do you have any comments about that? Any opinions, perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you calling out Alicia? I know. She's <laughs> silent. What am I supposed to say? I don't have anything to add. It's fine. You can, you can ask the next question instead, which is a delightful question. It is a delightful question. I had all these really hard questions, and now I have the world's dumbest question. <laughs> oh, and, and I'm going to out the person who asked it because I love her to death. It's my friend Sammy. So, Sammy, when you listen to this in your car later, shout out. Anyway, so Sammy would like to know if Dr. Drakken from Kim Possible is a demon because his skin is blue. No. <laughs> <laughs> she 
sent me this question when she was driving in the car and I got it while I was at work and it took, first of all, it took me forever to figure out what it said because she sent it with Siri talk and it made absolutely no sense because it said something about Dr. Dr like Dragon in the kitchen and I was like, what the heck? She had to clarify. So, Dr. Draken from Kim Possible is not a demon. He is indeed a man. I had to look this up on like the Kim Possible wiki fandom page. And apparently it is not said why he turned blue, but he turned blue on a Tuesday and his assistant Shigo is pretty sure it's because he ate too many blueberry pies, but it's somehow like attached to his evilness. Like there's one episode where they like do something to his personality and it makes him turn into like a normal skin color and his evilness goes away. And instead it's like put into Ron and Ron turns evil. So... I can't believe it's, we're discussing this. <laughs> he is not a demon. Sammy asked. Sammy asked. Listen, we, we are obligated Sammy, to answer. Sammy Warhover. <laughs> I'm clarifying. <laughs> so yes, Doctor Doctor Draken. For anyone who's curious, is not a demon. He is just an evil man, who just so happens to be blue. Indeed. I'm blue. Davidi. No, absolutely not. <laughs> no, I love that song. Come on now. All right. Next, we got the question What are some good questions to ask during an EVP session? Um, I mean, usually we start out with things like what year is it and who's the current president because we like to figure out the approximate time, time of period. death. Yeah. Um, that is one of my favorite questions is who is the current president of the United States? It almost uh, it, never it, works. It's almost never been answered except for once during a spirit box section and I was not the one who asked it. So. Yeah. It was Garfield. He had died when... Which was, was like the eighteen late 1800s, wasn't it? Garfield? <laughs> Oh, come on, history major. I don't care about American history. Alicia, when was Garfield? The cat or the president? The, the president. president. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I'm not paying attention to what you guys are saying. I don't know. No. I think it was like the 1840s. No. It was earlier. Or it was later than that. It was the 1800s for sure. Yes, it was the 1800s. <laughs> oh, wait, we gotta Google this. I'm working on it. Garfield's presidency. So, 1881. Now you know. Yeah, I was 40 And he was old. assassinated, right? Yes. Yeah, because he also died in 1881. Yes. Garfield was president in 1881. And that's when, uh, good old, what was his name? I just forgot. Will. Will, yes, when Will died. Um, yeah, so try to, like, figure out time, of, approximate year of death rather than time of death. But then also ask their name. We like to know who we're talking to, their gender, ideally. Um, but that's partially just to narrow down if you happen to know spirits that might be there. Yeah. Uh, usually simple questions are better, I feel like. Easier to respond to. Uh, we get more responses from them than complex things. So what is your favorite color is one that we tend to ask quite often. Uh, how many of there are you? Things like, what is your name? I know Dan really likes to ask questions like, what job do you have? Like, yeah. um, which seems to get a little more complex, so I don't think he gets a whole lot of answers out of that. But 
just simple things that are easy to answer. Just Questions favorites. you'd ask a kindergartner. Yeah, something like that. Which sounds like it's like we're talking down to them, but it's not. It's just... That's the easiest to answer. Yeah. And you're also going to be able to answer that more quickly. Because there is, you know, a question... Uh, sometimes it will take a minute even to get an answer to a question. And is it because it takes them a minute to... Respond? The energy yeah. to respond or what so it's better to ask very simple questions and when you are asking the simple questions make sure that you leave periods of silence so that to give it an opportunity to answer normally we ask a question and wait 30 seconds before anybody else talks again so yeah keep it simple this is our best advice for that so when you're taking photos on an investigation should you use the flash on your camera yes because it's dark and you won't see anything if you don't <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a a little off. Well, I I think you can make an argument for if you have IR lights. um, But you definitely get stuff with flash on. Uh, I mean, you can use IR light. You tend to get different things depending on the light you're using. Like if you're using IR light, you definitely get something different than if you use a flashlight versus when you use flash on your camera. So honestly, try a little bit of both. Uh, I really don't think that it matters, like, in all honesty. Uh, like, if it is, if you are investigating at night and you don't have an IR camera, obviously, yes, use flash. But I've seen people capture photos in broad daylight, which obviously they were not using flash in with very significant apparitions in them, so. Yeah. And so that's the thing. Like, most it's, of the pictures that, like, I see, they're the ones that we catch, like, on our walking tours. And it's not, like, pitch black there. Like, yeah. we're in the middle of a park. There's street lights and stuff, and you can still catch stuff with or without flash. So I always say do a little blah, blah. Yeah, I, I honestly don't think flash affects the picture. It's just the quality of light that you'll see it in. So yeah, I've seen pictures captured in pure darkness with flash on, and I've seen apparitions captured in daylight photos without flash. So whatever you need to see in the picture. Can your phone affect your equipment? Yes. Yes, it absolutely can, especially if you're using something sensitive like a K2 meter. If you have your phone too close to it and your phone goes off, it can absolutely make the lights on a K2 go up. Yeah, they can, any of our equipment could potentially interfere with each other. That's why it's a good idea to only try and do one type of activity at once or keep things separate from each other. And we always advise guests to put their phones in airplane mode as well, just to avoid setting things off like K2 meters, because if you get a call or like music starts playing or a text or anything like that, it'll... Email. Email's the big one. You never expect an email. Although <laughs> recently, at Post Town, even though I put my phone on airplane mode, something keeps triggering your the, Google. Yeah, my Google, and it's so weird because none of us say anything that should trigger it, and it'll go. Sorry, we're in airplane mode, so we can't currently load your results. It has happened multiple times. And it's not like you're moving either to be like pressing a button to activate yeah. it. Like there, there's something at Post Town that likes to mess with my Google um, <laughs> thing on my phone. I don't it's know, just so never weird. interacted with a Google Speak before. It's just like, wow, that's oh, me. <laughs> it, it, it'll go off two or three times in the night. It's so strange. It is, it's fascinating. By I would be too. It's I different know places like, too. I don't know. It's it's weird, and I and I need to figure out how to like turn it off so it'll stop doing that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Anyway. All right. Next we got. Do you think deja vu is supernatural? No. Personally, I don't. I do. You do. I've had too many cases of deja vu where I'm like, I'm certain I've been in this exact scenario that I've never been in before. Like it is 
mind-numbing to me. Like, it actually hurts my head. I don't know what kind of supernatural it might be, but... Mine is... I know I just had a dream that was in a similar spot. I know. Every time. So... I guess I've had way too specific of situations. I'm like, I'm certain I've done exactly this with this exact person exactly where I am. It's more, um, if it's a place, then I'm like, yeah, whatever. It was just a dream. I have definitely had, like, we're having a conversation and I'm just like, whoa. Yeah, that's usually how my exact conversation. Sentences. And it's like, I don't really know if I would have had that exact same sentence in that exact same place. Yeah, I'm not sure what I want to call it, but I, I think there is some something behind it. Maybe not necessarily all the time when it happens, because it definitely could have been just a dream or something that's similar, but I've definitely had situations where everything's, like, exactly, like, a memory burned into my mind. I guess it depends. But, like, 99% of the time I say, no, it's not supernatural. It's just, like, meh. You're remembering a dream that you forgot because you don't remember most of your dreams. Yeah. Okay, so does paranormal activity attract demonic activity? I really think it depends. Sometimes I think demonic activity attracts paranormal activity. Oh, yeah, definitely, and vice versa. But I... And then there's a lot of cases where just one or the other is happening. And See, my opinion on it is that paranormal activity attracts idiots, and then idiots Attra- attract, attract demonic activity. Demonic activity. <laughs> by I doing stupid stuff that they should I completely agree with that. I was like, it's the people... That attracts demonic activity, not... Demons are not interested in just hanging out at a place. They're interested in humans. Yeah. So they're not going to... If, if there's just an abandoned building that is haunted, demons are not going to hang out there. Why? They don't have any purpose. But if you have idiots that keep breaking into the building and, and playing with the Ouija, Ouija boards... boards or stuff. performing seances or antagonizing things... Then That's yeah. when demons come. So, I, And then sometimes there's demonic activity and that stirs up paranormal activity because spirits are able to harness the energy that demons like create. So I guess it just really depends... And no, then, I would definitely say demonic activity attracts other paranormal activity, but I don't think paranormal activity attracts demonic activity. Other than by circumstance. It's not the reason. Uh, it's it's the, other, the trigger. Yeah, yeah it's, it, they're not the reason that the demonic activity is coming. Yeah. Okay. Got another long question. <laughs> <laughs> Eloquent speaking. Oh, wait, crap, you're right. Never mind, you get to say the long one. Yeah. <laughs> Are there less afterlife entities in areas of the world that have had more, like, peaceful burial practices? I don't think so. I think it depends on your opinion. Because, um, so, like, in Japan, they have yokai, which are kind of like cryptids in some ways and kind of like spirits in others. And yokai means ghost, basically. So their their yokai are not normally like like Cheryl from Post Town. They're not normally specific like that. They're like a type of ghost that occurs in other places. There's like the woman that has the the face that's cut open like Joker and she asks if you think she's beautiful and it doesn't matter which way you answer, she kills you either way unless you keep walking. Or, I don't remember. You have to, like, trick her, basically. And so that's, like, what a yokai is. In Japan, they have Buddhist burials, um, generally. Or, um, so, I, I guess, is your opinion that Buddhism is a more peaceful way to bury someone? I don't know. 
but in Japan they don't talk quite as much about specific ghosts. Um, there's, it's more like legends, I suppose. So I would say that it's the same in multiple countries that practice Buddhism for their burial practices. Um, I know in India, so my Indian coworkers hate ghosts. They're terrified of ghosts. In India, ghosts are always evil and bad, at least like in movies and stuff. So they, mm. they, when they heard that I like go to places overnight to investigate ghosts, they're like, that's so scary. Don't they attack you? And I was like, no, they don't <laughs> attack you. And and so... Unless you're Alex's sister. Unless you're Sarah. Yeah, I guess that's true. They did attack her. But that was my fault, really. And that was Mansfield, too. That's a place where they're known to attack people. Yeah, like that's that's a place where you can kind of expect that to happen. But in, in India, they're Hindu, obviously. So then if in India they say spirits are all evil and bad, are you going to say Hindu burial practices are not peaceful? I don't know. My two cents on the matter is that no matter where we are at modern times, like observing like however people practice things at one point in history every single centimeter of earth has seen some sort of war or death or some sort of violence like not speaking on modern times at all but everywhere has seen some form of aggression and tragedy it's just a fact so i don't think burial practices really have any weight on whether or not a place would be haunted yeah oh is it my turn yeah it's your turn do you think ghosts can be caught no. <laughs> With the butterfly net? I think they can be immune in things. Yes, they can be trapped. Oh, we know like this for a fact. Out, yeah, because of like Ven and Violet, but caught? Yeah, with like a net. <laughs> <laughs> or or the, the box they use in Ghostbusters. Yeah. No, I don't think so. No. Or, or I what does he even mean by that? <laughs> like like are we just catching and release like fishing? <laughs> How to make friends. <laughs> I just keep thinking of this movie that my mom and I always watched as a kid where like the girl gets in a really bad car accident and she's a ghost walking around the apartment and the guys are like trying to capture her like under this glass pyramid thing and they like do like slam it down on the table and like put it on top of a magazine. They're like, oh we got her, we're gonna go flush her. <laughs> I don't know why it makes me laugh so much. I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really, like, this question, we knew what, it was coming what, up. What would you do with it? <laughs> flush it, obviously. This one's a flusher. Okay. So, it takes a lot of energy for an entity to make physical changes of its appearance. So does it take less energy for spirits to interact with others in dream states or semi-conscious states? Also, if it takes less energy, what prevalence is there of a person being mentally affected more often than physically affected during ghost hunting investigations? Ow. Okay, so <laughs> break it down. Alicia has had a spirit interact in her dreams twice. Yes, I have indeed. I have, I think, had it happen once. Um, I mean, Drew has his night terrors, which... Yeah, I have it happen too often. So... <laughs> I don't know if it's necessarily easier or if it's just one way they're able to communicate with us. I wouldn't call it easier. I just think that you're more susceptible That's to like, it. Yeah, you're more like receptive almost. There's really nowhere for you to go. I don't think it takes less energy. I just, I think it's, well, okay, maybe you could say it's less energy in the way that they're not fighting to get your attention, but I don't think it's necessarily the amount of energy is less it's yeah. just less yeah. difficult 
But um, definitely you're more mentally affected during investigations than you're ever physically assaulted. We, oh, yeah. You will get headaches all the time, notwithstanding the spirit box, but just standing around, sometimes you'll get terrible headaches. You'll uh, start to feel sick. Sick. Nauseous is a big one. Sometimes you'll be affected by emotions as well. Like You'll start sudden, crying. Yeah, you'll start crying with like just a like resting bitch face on your face. Like I definitely get irrationally yeah. angry. Last um, time I was at Post Town, which is when all the bad stuff was happening, I had the overwhelming of emotions and I like started crying a bunch. Yeah, yeah it, it definitely affects you it, yeah, significantly more. That's definitely a good way to put it, is it's definitely a lot more mental than physical for the most part. I mean, the only time, well, I've been pushed once. We've been touched a few times, but it depends on what you mean by physical. Like, are we talking about attacked, like when Sarah got scratched, or we just mean like touches? Touches are pretty frequent, but it's the mental thing could be ongoing for the entire eight hours you're there. Yeah. yeah. I think, like, the mental thing is a lot of just, like, the energy that's in these places rather yeah. than something actually... Reaching out to you. Yeah. Physical is something something actually attempting to harm you. But mentally, it's just kind of a symptom of what we do just because of the energy in these places is having that effect on us. How much faith do you have in ghost hunting TV shows? None. I'd say half and half for me. I wouldn't say none. I would say not a lot. I do think there are some where they are actually, like, trying, but at the same time, they know that, like, in order to try, they also have to make shit up just so they can get their funding. I mean, yeah, you need to think about it in terms of their entertainment. That's their purpose, what they're on TV for. If nothing happens on them, of course, nobody's going to watch. It's just, like, reality TV. It's, It's not really reality. It's been proven more than once that they fake multiple pieces of evidence, so I'm just yes. kind of like... Some people have been proven. Yes. Uh, taps yeah. Taps is not. Taps uh, and Ghost Hunters, they seem to be, I think, the most respectful in the field of Agreed. TV shows. Yeah. Um, and even then, they still suffer from the entertain- entertainment complex. I'm, I wouldn't go as far to say like all these TV shows out there are faking all of their evidence. I think it's just more... My issue is more lies in the fact that in how that evidence is presented, as if things are constantly happening to them and they're getting all this kind of evidence in one night, it's it's not how it works. These people are at these locations filming for a week or two at a time, like seven nights investigating these places, and then they compile all of it into one big long night mm-hmm. and present it to you as if this is how ghost hunting actually is, which it's not. Most of the time, we're sitting in the dark like it's watching paint dry. And that's where most of my issue with them comes from. Although, I do understand that, like, we've had some post-town nights where we had crazy stuff. Oh, yeah, for sure. Where you could have a whole episode that was an hour long and we had stuff the whole time. And we also had post-town nights where we'll have, like, one thing happen the entire time. And I'm like, yeah, that wouldn't be a particularly interesting episode to air on TV. (laughs) Yeah, I remember, like realize it like the day that i realized that most of the ghost hunting shows were a lie because i found out that paranormal state which was my favorite ghost hunting show i would have died for ryan buell uh when i found out that he lied and that like chip coffee was a liar i was so mad i remember like storming down to my mom and just be like did you you need to read this article (laughs) like this has all been a lie and she's like yeah alicia i know (laughs) fucking reality tv and i was like no (laughs) like it's not okay and i feel so bad because i I'll admit that I was a little too dramatic at that time, and I 
Ryan Buell was having cancer issues, and I was like, I hope he fucking dies. And <laughs> that was super bad. I was, I was a different person then, and I'm very sorry. Dear Ryan Buell, if you ever hear this, I apologize for for wishing death upon you. But again, you did lie. Like, <laughs> hardcore. Because <laughs> you were the one who put that cold beer can on that table. and was like, look, it's a cold spot. Don't think I don't see right through you, buddy. I just don't wish death upon you anymore. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I don't think <laughs> everything in modern ghost hunting shows is demonstrably false, but always take it at face value for what it is, which at the end of the day is just entertainment. All right. One last question to end it on. What is the correct way to use a Ouija board? To not to. Not at all. You don't use a Ouija board. That's how. <laughs> uh, a lot of people just think they're toys. They're not. They're an invitation to invite things in. Barnes and Noble thinks that they're toys. It's nine times out of ten you can use a Ouija board with nothing bad happening to you. It's more of your intentions behind it, but I don't know. They act as a portal. We've talked about it before. Yeah. Most people don't use them with good intentions. Yeah. And you will never see a professional ghost hunter using one, so that's enough evidence in itself not to use one. Except in Phasmophobia. Phasmophobia is a game. <laughs> and they're professionals, though. A video game. <laughs> <laughs> they're professionals in the video game, in the lore. And what happens when you use the Ouija board in you, Phasmophobia? You go insane and the ghost will kill you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, so uh, don't use a Ouija board. Yep. Yay. We had a lot more questions, but we wanted to uh, kind of shorten this out, so we kind of picked out some better ones, more more ones that we felt that we could give a better answer to, I feel. but Yeah, maybe we'll save the next ones for another Q&A episode in like ten more seasons. Who knows? <laughs> you more never seasons. know. <laughs> ten more seasons of Paranormalized have been ordered. Oh, no. Okay. So that is going to be all for us today. I can tell you for a fact that our next episode will be an interview with our former boss, Dan Smith. We love Dan. So there are only two more episodes after this. Very exciting stuff. Until Alex leaves us for forever for Ireland. Boo! Boo, Alex! Boo! She's the worst! (laughs) She's the reason you're not getting more episodes of Paranormalized anymore. (laughs) (laughs) It's true, though. So anyway, we'll see you guys in another two weeks. Bye. Bye. And a special thank you to all of our patrons, but especially our Portal to Hell patron, Gabby Buggy. 